0: Welcome to The Scripture Study Project, a fresh and faithful study of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you're learning to others. I'm Krista, and I am here with my husband and fellow podcaster, Zach, and we're excited to be here tonight.
1: Hey, we have been getting a lot of reviews From people, and we just wanted to say thank you for those that have taken the time to write us a message, or to give us review, or to give us feedback on things that are working for you. Uh, Someone recently mentioned that they have been studying their scriptures by beginning with asking a question. Uh, We've actually heard that from a couple of people that that particular study tip was meaningful, and that it's helped people to get more out of their scripture study. And that's the whole reason why we're doing this. We We hope, of course, that the content is motivational to you and exciting to you, but what we really hope is that at the end of an episode, you feel more motivated to study your scriptures in greater depth, that you get more out of your scriptures, that it changes your life and changes your family's life. And so thanks for giving us that feedback. If there's things that are working for you, we'd love to hear about it. Or not. Yeah. If there's things that aren't working well, give us that feedback as well. We really want to help and serve in the best way possible. So
0: So with that, we'll move on to our study tip for today, which is a pretty basic one, but a very important one nonetheless, and that is to look for repetition.
1: So the scriptures in the languages they were written in did not have punctuation marks. It's an English, I don't know if it's an English invention, but it's something we have in English that they didn't have in Hebrew or Greek or Reformed Egyptian And so a lot of times scripture authors had to find different ways to emphasize points they wanted to make. And in the Book of Mormon, one of the things that they do most often to emphasize a point or to draw attention to it is to repeat an idea or repeat a word. And so you'll see scripture authors doing this all the time where they'll use the same word in successive verses or sometimes even multiple times in the same verse to either exclaim something or to identify differences So as you're searching your scriptures, if you come across the same word, know that it's not just the author casually repeating himself. Um, It's not accidental. We said this in a previous episode, but in the Book of Mormon, there's very little space to write, and it takes them a lot of time and effort to write. So they don't repeat anything accidentally. Everything is on purpose. So for example, in this episode, we've got a couple of words that show up repeatedly. That's not by accident. That's the author's intent because they want to draw your attention to nuances or differences, or to expound on something to a deeper level.
0: We hope that you are enjoying the study of Mosiah. I know I have really learned a lot from all of this. Um, so the last three episodes were kind of the the time warping, going back and forth, learning what happened in history, who these people were, and... We're done with that now, and we're moving into chapter 26 through 29. So we're, we're going to be ending out Mosiah with this study tonight. And...
1: and it's kind of a fun block of study because we now introduce back in Zarahemla, where there has traditionally always been, I don't know, at least in the records that we have peace and prosperity, we've had good kings and good success and not really a whole lot of turmoil and for the first time, we start to see contention and problems, and it comes from an unexpected source. We want to start by reviewing a talk that President Ballard gave a couple of years in general conference called uh, Stay in the Boat and Hold On. This was, And in the talk, he explains that a friend of his went down the Colorado River on a rafting trip. And there was a particularly difficult part of the trip through Cataract Canyon. And before they made this particular trek, the tour guide told them, rule number one, stay in the boat. Rule number two, always wear a life jacket. Rule number three, always hold on with both hands. And then he said, above all, remember rule number one. And President Ballard explains, this adventure reminds me of our mortal journey. Most of us experience periods in our lives where the tranquil waters of life are appreciated. At other times, we encounter whitewater rapids that are metaphorically comparable to those found in the 14-mile stretch through Cataract Canyon. Challenges that may include physical and mental health issues, the death of a loved one, dashed dreams and hopes, and for some, even a crisis of faith when faced with life's problems, questions, and doubts. The questions we want to ask today, and I think that this block answers them really well, is question one... Why do we sometimes, or why do people that we know and love, our children even, get out of the boat? What is it that causes them to get out of the boat? Is there anything we can do to help keep them safe? And number two, how do we, if we're the ones that have fallen out of the boat, or how do we help others who have fallen out of the boat get back in? And so those are the two questions that, wanna, that we want to guide our study We're starting in Mosiah chapter 26, and the first question, why is it that people fall out of the boat? Why do we get out of the boat sometimes, or why do those that we know and love fall out? This is, chapter 26 marks kind of this transition. For the first time, we have people that choose not to believe the words of a prophet, and there's an interesting kind of pattern. Here's our study tip coming into play. Uh, that describes how these people fall out of the boat. So starting in verse 1, It came to pass that there were many of the rising generation that could not understand the words of King Benjamin, being little children at the time he spake unto his people, and they did not believe the traditions of their fathers. They did not believe what had been said concerning the resurrection of the dead. Neither did they believe concerning the coming of Christ. And now because their unbelief, they could not understand the word of God, and their hearts were hardened. They would not be baptized, neither would they join the church. And they were separate people as to their faith and remained so ever after, even in their carnal and sinful state, for they would not call upon the Lord their God.
0: And that's where you'll find our study tip coming in is these words, understand and belief, repeated in each of these chapters. And in kind of that progression in seeing what their hearts were doing, where their minds were, where their attention was.
1: In fact, it's kind of specific, right? The verse... First verse, they could not understand the words of King Benjamin.
0: So they did not believe.
1: Right. In verse 2, they did not believe. And then in verse 3, they could not understand the word of God. And then verse 4, they would not be baptized. They would not call upon the Lord their God. And then in verse 6, something Mm -hmm. they actually do, they did deceive many with their flattering words. And I've always been kind of impressed by that rather specific progression. They could not understand the words of King Benjamin because they were little children. They didn't understand his words. But because they could not understand, they did not believe. And then there's that understand word again, but this time used differently. They could not understand the word of God, and they would not call upon his name. In other words, they start with either a misunderstanding or an ununderstanding of simple truths and doctrines of the church, because they were young when those doctrines were taught, but they progress to a point where they will not choose to believe. And so the first answer that at least I found on why we sometimes fall out of the boat or why those uh, that we love fall out of the boat, and this sounds kind of harsh, but we choose to um, Eller Anderson gave a talk a couple of years ago where he simply stated belief is that we're, we're members by choice, not by chance, mm-hmm. that we choose to believe, which holds true for the contrary. We also choose not to believe.
0: I think we're doing ourselves a disservice. And even those around us when we honestly, when we don't own that mm-hmm. and say that, no, I'm choosing this. Yeah, we are making that choice. There's And maybe we should put these in the show notes, both of these talks. Um, Elder Whitney L. Clayton gives another talk on Choose to Believe, and maybe I've referenced this talk in other episodes, but um, that same idea of what we are choosing is a daily thing. We're choosing to make steps in either direction, and it is our choice that we're owning, and we do that. I mean, I think a great way of choosing to believe is choosing the Scripture studies Mm -hmm. and choosing to study our Scriptures and choosing to those connections to God.
1: That's a great point. I i think we ought a lot of times speak about belief as if it's something that happens to me, right? Mm-hmm. I believe, but that's not completely in my control. Or I don't believe because I read this or I saw this or someone told me this about the church.
0: And although this is a pretty overused, but what's better? What's a better analogy than the seed? Mm. I've recently started a little... Um, experiment in gardening <laughs> and i have no idea what A i'm near doing your
1: failed experiment but
0: you know what like i have been so amazed at kind of the work it takes to actually like water and i'm just doing little plants trying to get seeds to grow into seedlings and i don't even know the terms but <laughs> um but just how much energy it takes it's this simple very very simple things i water i put the seeds in but it takes effort mhm and so I've just been thinking a lot about that seed analogy and thinking how perfect of analogy that is with faith because it's simple and it comes, but yeah. it's still a choice that you're making to take care of it. And thinking of ways to stay in the boat, you, you can't help but liken those first few chapters of understanding and belief. It's referring specifically to kids. And although, of course, we're no experts on this, our children are still young, but you can't help but think... Um, of parenting, Mm -hmm. I think, in these verses. Because although the children were too young to hear, they did have parents that were were listening to King Benjamin and that were believers because they heard King Benjamin's speech. And just to me, that just just rang true that our responsibility as parents to bear that testimony, to um, show them in our actions and in our words what our beliefs are, and why we believe, um, and give them those experiences, I really think sometimes we're just too soft. Mm. And even our kids, I mean, you guys, if you think about the lives that our kids, I think a lot about this, the life that my children have is pretty easy. Mm -hmm. There aren't any hardships for the first time in 50 years. I mean, you think of the lives even that people were having 50 years ago,
1: parents or grandparents. Yeah.
0: Listen, you know, thinking of the wars and the hardships and even in daily life, they were working a lot harder than we need to, albeit different. But, and I think our kids really need to have those experiences that soften their hearts. We need to allow them to have some of those trials of faith Mm -hmm. and let them engage in their own struggle of growing close to the savior and allowing that to happen, which is sometimes really hard for us. We want to protect them, which is good, but we even need to let them struggle in their faith a little bit so they can develop their own faith in God.
1: I was with the youth in our ward uh, today during the block, and we had this question and answer session where we got to listen to some of the questions or read some of the questions that the youth had submitted and then seek to answer some of those those questions. And I was so impressed at the deep and thoughtful questions that these youth were asking. And I was actually really impressed with some of the answers they came up with themselves. Um, I'm kind of the consummate defender of the youth that we have in our church and in our lives. They are so smart and intelligent and well-reasoned. And unfortunately, they live in a world that constantly maligns them. But as we're in this experience where I'm reading these questions, these really thoughtful questions... I was impressed to say to them, something I've said quite often to students, that asking questions, even having concerns, is a good thing. Um, I noticed this verse today that I'd never really noticed before, or at least noticed these words in the verse before. This is in Joseph Smith's history. And in the first couple of verses where he's talking about the struggles that he's going through in his own faith, his own faith crisis, if you will, He says in verse 8, during this time of great excitement, my mind was called up to serious reflection and great uneasiness. And I think, like you're saying, sometimes we're afraid of our, our kids having uneasiness about doctrines or principles or history. And so we try and either protect them from it by ignoring it or shield them from it in some way or gloss over it. When for Joseph Smith, it was this serious reflection, this great uneasiness that brought about his study of the scriptures and his eventual first vision. So this struggle that he was going through is a great thing. And as we read the rest of these chapters, you'll see how this struggle that some of these youth are going through, where they could not understand and would not believe, actually turned out to be, or God turned it to be something really good. Um, so there's there's hope there.
0: In In chapter 26, we get the response to Alma's prayer, and this is verse 21, towards the end of that response from from the Lord. He says, and he that will hear my voice shall be my sheep. And I can't help but think in those verses in the beginning that we talked about, they didn't hear, they didn't believe, they had hardened their hearts. All we need, or all our kids, or all anyone really needs, is to know that they can hear the voice of of God. And then they become his sheep. Because when you get an answer, when you hear God talk to you, or when a light comes on because you know that that connection was made because God is talking to you, that's where the power comes. And that's that's how my testimony was, has been built. Mm. And I think that's what I want my kids to really experience too, is that.
1: Struggle to um, hear the, God's voice. Right.
0: And that is when we know he'll become his sheep. I think. Yeah. I'm going too far on it now, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I think it's good. I,
1: so to summarize those two points, and there's there's so many others in there, but why do we fall out of the boat or why do sometimes our, our children or those that we love fall out of the boat? The first and honest truth is we choose to. We really choose to. But the second is sometimes we're too soft in our faith. We shy away from the necessary struggles that we need to go through
0: yeah, in order maybe, to develop
1: resilient faith. Maybe
0: when I was talking about that, I mentioned a lot of the kids, but I think Maybe sometimes we're too soft yeah. on ourselves too.
1: Don't be afraid of the wrestle. Don't yeah. be afraid to struggle. Don't be afraid to put your paddle in the water and and fight the water a little bit. Well, if it's true then that sometimes we fall out of the boat, and we all do, we all have questions and doubts and struggles and times when we feel closer to God and times when we feel further away. Then the next question posed um, in President Ballard's story is, how do we get back in once we've fallen out? Or how do we help others get back in? One of the things that impressed me most this time through Mosiah 26 is the optimism that God has towards those that fall out of the boat. So after these first couple of verses where Mormon narrates saying that a couple of, uh, that this small group of people that couldn't understand begin to uh, deceive many with their flattering words. Of course, this is especially painful and poignant to King Mosiah and chief priest Alma because Among those dissenters is our Mosiah's sons and Alma's son. And so as Alma goes, as the chief priest, he goes to the Lord to ask, what do we do about this? We have never had this in the church before. And the Lord responds, and Krista read part of that response, and I want to read the rest of it. And I just want to, I want you to listen. or I want to highlight the optimism that God has for those that fall out of the boat. Uh, So this is starting in verse 21. He that will hear my voice shall be my sheep, and him shall ye receive into the church, and him will I also receive. Remember, this is talking about people that left the church. Behold, this is my church, and whosoever is baptized shall be baptized unto repentance, and whomsoever you receive shall believe in my name, and him will I freely forgive. For it is I that taketh upon me the sins of the world. It is I that hath created them, and it is I that hath granted unto him that believeth unto the end a place at my right hand. For behold, in my name are they called, and if they know me, they shall come forth and shall have a place eternally at my right hand. I was really impressed by the Lord's emphasis. This is my church, and these are my people for whom I have suffered an atonement. Don't be too quick to judge. Now, of course, he does give the instruction, if they refuse to believe and they're causing contention in the church, then, of course, you have to separate them from the church. But there's only like one or two verses about that. And then he goes back to talking about uh, forgiveness. This is verse 30. As often as my people repent, I will forgive them their trespasses against me. And you also shall forgive one another your trespasses. I love that the Lord views us when we fall out of the boat or views our children when they fall out of the boat. With complete optimism, not because of them necessarily, but because of him, because of what he has been through to save them. He's confident that in his timing, there will be a moment, many moments, thousands of moments, when he will be there in the boat with a hand outstretched towards them or outstretched towards us, inviting them back in.
0: And as we look at this forgiveness, either for ourselves or as we're trying to forgive others, we have to remember that it's up to God to judge. I think we put up a barrier um, to our own forgiveness or to others' forgiveness when we're looking around and judging what other people are doing or judging ourselves against other people. In chapter 29, verse 12, it says, Now it is better that a man should be judged of God than of man, for the judgments of God are always just, but the judgments of man... Are not always just. Amen to that, right? Mm -hmm. We do not know, we don't see people's hearts, we don't know what they're going through. And it really does make it harder for us to forgive when we put up false assumptions about other people or about our own situations. Um, God is good and He wants to forgive us over and over again, and He will.
1: This is one of my favorite talks in recent memory from Elder Renland a year ago in General Conference. Yes, he tells the story of uh, the the story from Les Mis about Jean Valjean and the bishop who eventually, or that that offers him the silver. He says this, this is Elder Renland the narrator states that the bishop could naturally feel a deep aversion for the man. Then the narrator poses a simple question: All the same, should the scabs of the sheep? Caused the shepherd to recoil. Answering for the bishop, the narrator provides a definitive answer, no, and then adds a humorous comment, but what a sheep. I a lot of times think that we we overhype our own sins and our own misdeeds and even our own doubts when God's reaction, the Lord's reaction when he looks at us is, of course your doubts and your sins and your mistakes aren't going to make me recoil, but oh, what a sheep. I wonder if you laugh sometimes at how seriously we take ourselves.
0: I think so, especially when we're kind of going through the same questions over and over or the same um, mistakes, whatever it is. Oh, what a sheep.
1: Oh, what a sheep. I like that. So how do we help someone get back in the boat or how do we get back in the boat? We remember how long-suffering and merciful God is, that He extends forgiveness we're not too quick to judge others because we know that God is at the helm of this boat that we jumped out of, uh, and he's quite a good helmsman.
0: So in chapter 27, we see the return of Alma the Younger. They're going about rebelling against God with he and his friends. They're going around. The angel appears to them to bring them back, essentially, to knock them, knock some sense into them. But in verse 14, And again the angel said to them, Behold, the Lord hath heard the prayers of his people, and also the prayers of his servant Alma, who is thy father, for he has prayed with much faith concerning thee, that thou mightest be brought to knowledge of the truth. Therefore, for this purpose have I come to convince thee of the power and authority of God, that the prayers of his servants might be answered according to their faith. How do we get back in? How do we help others, ourselves or others? Through prayer. And maybe we aren't necessarily going to have this experience that whoever we're praying for or ourselves are going to see an angel that shows up and says, here you go, you need to change your ways. But I do believe that the, the power of prayer is real when we we, we get God's aid, yeah. get his help.
1: Well, it's kind of cool because this is a kind of rare occurrence. I don't know of any other experience like this where an angel shows up to someone not because of his righteousness or his desires or his asking, but because of dads, right? The angel specifically says, I'm here because of the prayers of the people and the prayers of your father. You haven't earned my visit, Alma, but because God is good and because your dad cares so much, I have come to knock some sense into you. We're recording this episode a little bit earlier in the night than we usually do. And our kids keep sneaking down the stairs and I keep thinking, man, I wish I could pray an angel to go upstairs and, you know, (laughs) stun them in their beds and put them to sleep, But I like that truth that, oh, first, if chapter 26 is what does God feel about those, what does God do about those that are repentant? He forgives them. He gives them ample opportunity to get back in the boat. Chapter 27 is what he does with people that aren't repentant. Alma's not repentant. He doesn't want back in. But God is powerful enough to send such an incredible experience into his life that shakes him up. As you were saying that, I was thinking, I wonder how many years— Alma the older is praying for this. Mm -hmm. This doesn't seem like it's just one prayer. This is probably years and years and years through his young adulthood, through his childhood, through his teenager years, through his young adulthood, that Alma the older is praying for his son. And at the right moment, according to God's timing, the angel comes and changes everything for Alma the younger.
0: And I have to put this in maybe a different perspective of how prayer can be a tool as we're going through maybe a personal faith struggle or that we know someone close to us, that um, God wants to help us through these. So ask for his help. Ask for him to aid you in, maybe it's a learning process. Maybe you don't understand a certain principle or a point in history. Um, and you think, I, wanna, I want to understand this. Um, ask him in your prayers to really help and understand. I've had that experience that, Um, that He is there. He really wants us to know. And I think it was our last study tip where we talked about deep learning maybe two episodes ago. Um, How important it is to just include God in our questions and in our trials because, wow, He wants to help us. He wants to help us to learn these principles and He wants us to learn them deeply and significantly. And He will be there. We might not be... Um, trying to persuade other people to leave the church or to (laughs) take people away from good. But he wants us to be better in whatever way it is. So include him in whatever, in your journey back into the boat.
1: I love in chapter 28, as a conclusion to this episode, we'll get into the story, the missionary story of the sons of Mosiah in later chapters. But I love their motivation in chapter 28. This is verse 1 came to pass that after the sons of Mosiah had done all these things meaning they've made their reparations for the wrongs that they had done they took a small number with them returned to their father the king and desired of him that he would grant unto them that they might with these whom they had selected go up to the land of Nephi that they might preach the things which they had heard and that they might impart the word of god to their brethren that perhaps they might bring them to a knowledge of the lord their god and then verse 3 They were desirous that salvation should be declared to every creature, for they could not bear that any human soul should perish. Yea, even the very thoughts that a soul should endure endless torment did cause them to quake and tremble, and thus did the Spirit of the Lord work upon them, for they were the very vilest of sinners, and the Lord saw fit in His infinite mercy to spare them. Their Motivation for being the Book of Mormon's most famous missionaries is that a loving God shook them to their core and then saved them. I think if we want to help or save anyone else, our children, our friends, our fellow ward members, ourselves, ourselves, it has to start with that experience in our own hearts. I have to feel like God has saved me. I have to open myself up to His saving and his rescue, I have to feel what it's like to get ripped out of the river even when I'm drenched in water and pulled back into the boat and hugged and held until I feel safe. And once I'm in the boat, dripping wet as I may be, I then feel this incredible urge, and I know how, to help
0: someone else back in that boat. Mosiah chapter 27, verse 29. My soul hath been redeemed from the gall of bitterness and bonds of iniquity, I was in the darkest abyss, but now I behold the marvelous light of God. His forgiveness, his mercy, his light that he offers us is real and is there. If we choose to to partake of it, if we choose to be his sheep.
1: Well, we hope that this episode answers some questions that maybe you've had. Um, I had a, a, a bishop actually in our ward that or in our, our steak that stopped me in the hall today and just said, Hey, we're dealing with a lot of people that have these faith crises. Have you guys ever tackled that on your podcast? And maybe this episode goes somewhere to that and can help, um, help those who are struggling. It helped us at least in our study. And we hope that it makes a difference for other people as always. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everything that you have given back to us by way of comments and feedback. Follow us on Instagram. Um, like our posts, spread the word, spread this to more people, um, and we will see you next episode.